This is Hacker Public Radio episode 3367 for Tuesday, the 29th of June 2021. Today's show is entitled, Making Books with Linux, Part 1. It is hosted by Andrew Conway, and is about 56 minutes long, and carries a clean flag. The summary is, a discussion about assembling books, using simple tools commonly found, in most Linux distros. This episode of HPR is brought to you by archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. Everybody, welcome to Hacker Public Radio. This is Dave Morris, and today um, McNallu and I—that's Andrew—are um, having a bit of a chat about a particular subject. So I think you're going to kick off today, Andrew. And uh, do you like to to talk about where where we're coming from with this? Yes. Well, thanks, thanks, Dave. Yes, and hello to all the HPR folks out there. Yes. Well, this is, I think, classic HPR material, in that uh, it turned out that Dave had an itch and I had an itch, and we were both scratching our respective itches uh, and discovered that they uh, had something in common in how we were doing the scratching. I am talking purely metaphorically here, of course. That's, um, that's, that's a relief. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yep. With coronavirus restrictions, I can't scratch Dave, uh, and I don't think he'd want me to anyway. But anyway, the, what I'm talking about, to be less uh, generic, is that we're both generating documents um, uh, to be published, made public, and we want to do it with simple sort of Unixy, Linux-like text processing tools. So we both uh, have uh, ended up starting from Markdown, um, and we want to do we want to transform it into something we can put on the web, for example, or be published in some way. But we also are interested in doing processing, uh, for example, for in my case, for references and also to make an index. I think it was generating an index of, for some material. That's the, the question that you asked that I latched onto. Um, yes. It's interesting yes. to me as well. That's, that's right. Yes, I, I was searching for a... A, um, a generally available way of making an index out, out of a markdown thing without really thinking it through. And, and you uh, you said that you'd done this and pointed me at your methodology, which uh, which approaches it from a, a route that I hadn't quite thought about. So uh, so yeah, there's 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 lots of mileage there for, uh, for talking about how 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 it's done and you know what we wanted to do and and uh, and ways and means of, of achieving it. Indeed, and uh, and I should also mention that the the the, the route that I started down in generating uh, a book because that's what I'm doing is I'm, I'm creating a, a book uh, to be published by a, actually a, a regular publisher um, ultimately. Um, but the the reason that I started down this route years ago, I think, was an HPR episode by John Culp where he 
was, I, if I remember correctly, I think he might have been taking an out-of-print music book and republishing it under Creative Commons or public domain. I, I don't recall yes, the details. But I, I really liked... This. I, do, I really like the way he, he just wait, kept it simple with a bit of, I don't know if he started from Markdown or HTML, but one of the two, a little bit of CSS. It was such, it was so light touch. And I thought, that is just so simple. That's what I'm going to do. And I really have never regretted it. Uh, it's been, I'm able to automate everything about the whole process. Um, and yeah, well, uh, uh, rather than talk, talk around it, maybe we should just, uh, we should just get stuck in. Yes, yes. Well, we decided in in our sort of pre pre chat that um, there was probably enough material here for a couple of shows, which I'm sure Ken would be be applauding um, <laughs> as as he listens, cheering. Um, uh, so we would we would sort of give a summary of our two different positions um, and and our needs and how we how we solve them and so forth and then and maybe have a chat at the end so today uh, you are gonna kick off with with your situation I think Andrew yeah that's right yes and you can quiz me and pull me up if I'm not being clear and then we'll switch roles for the next one where you'll discuss what you're doing and I'll uh, quiz you uh, as we go okay so right so yeah I'm, I'm generating a book which is composed of chapters and I have um, uh, figures like graphs and charts that kind of thing um, and I also have tables in the book but uh, my starting point is essentially a text file so each chapter is a text file and uh, and it's in mark I write it in markdown I can also throw I actually do throw occasionally some HTML in there for something that's either not supported in Markdown or ambiguously supported, depending on flavor of Markdown. So it's, it's mainly Markdown with a little bit of HTML. And one of the actual bits of uh, HTML comes in with the figures. Now, when I write and I want a figure in there, I actually just write in the, um, the text. I think I write a greater than sign, uh, which I think means an indentation or something. I forget what the greater than sign means in Markdown. <laughs> um, but uh, and then I write figure. And then ampersand NBSP uh, semicolon for non-breaking space. And then I will write a tag like age underscore distribution, which shows the distribution of ages in the population. You know, and then when I want to discuss this figure somewhere in the text, um, I will just use that same tag that, when that tag appears in the text. And an idea is that at some point in the post-processing, these tags will be found numbered in order of in the chapter so the first figure will be in chapter three will be 3.1 the second will be 3.2 and i don't need to worry about the references now i mean that's i'm sure there's other tools out there to do that and i know i've used latex in the past to do this but latex was just too big a, a versatile hammer for this job i want to keep it much more simple than that as i said before so that's the first job is that i have references for the figures and tables now not only that but uh, the the other thing that my post-processing will do is uh, it will, when it find, finds one of these figures, it then knows from that tag, like, I uh, forget what I said before, but like ages underscore population, see. Uh, it will then go off to a, a, a directory and it'll look for ages underscore population dot CSV. And if it finds that, it'll then fire up another script, which will turn that CSV into my figure. And 
the CSV file will contain not only the data, but some meta information about what the graph should look like, whether it should be a bar chart, where the legend should be, if there should be a legend, all this kind of stuff, and the scale of the graphs. Right. So, it's, so the principle was that everything, every bit of material for the book starts life as a text file in this whole processing. Um, and so the, the workflow is, is to write the, the source material, uh, which I do entirely separately. And then when I'm ready, um, I then run a script. And the script then, um, it literally just takes the chapter. Um, some chapters don't have any figures, like the introductory chapter has no figures. So I can just literally, actually what I do is I take that chapter and I and I, I cat it to all a file called all.markdown. And then I use Python, uh, some very short Python programs to go through and put in the references that I just described. And it also will generate um, the image file and the IMG tag, which is a bit of HTML that will go where the, the figure caption is in the chapter. Um, and then it spits all of that out and appends it to the all.markdown file. So I'll call that for chapters one, two, three, and it'll just go through uh, and do the whole uh, lot. Uh, and then tack on at the very end, it will spit out using cat again or an echo commands, just the, the end material that goes right at the end of the HTML file mm -hmm. um, to close off the tags and um, stuff like that. And then I run it through markdown underscore pi. That takes the old markdown file and generates the HTML file. Uh, and then the, the, the script that pulls all this together, well, then I can tell it to create a draft. Uh, which it will then open up in a web browser automatically for me. So I can even, um, I have got this set up so that as soon as I save it, one of the chapter files, um, I use a command that will um, will monitor the, the, the text file, see if they've changed. And if they have changed, run the script and it will build everything and then immediately refresh the web browser so that I've, I've got almost a, a live um, rendering of the book or a part of the book uh, as I'm writing it. Because sometimes that's useful if you're checking layout mm, and, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. and proofreading. And that's good. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I do something very similar. And it is immensely useful because you can, you can prang your, <laughs> you know, the look of your, the, your, your doc. I can any do, I shouldn't say you can. Um, I can make a horrible mess of my document, um, without realizing it looks fine in the markdown, but it's awful when it gets converted to HTML. So seeing that in as close to real time as possible helps me huge amount yes i mean i think uh i mean it's not WYSIWYG, but it's, it's as close as you can get to it with this method i mean that is the downside of this method is it's not WYSIWYG. but then if you're used to you know writing html or latex or any of the or markdown you're used to not seeing what you exactly what you're going to get until later in the process mm -hmm, i, I should mention i just looked the the way i did that automatically it's just a one line thing on the command line if I'm working in chapter five, the command I would issue would be ls chapter five dot markdown pipe and the command then entr enter space and then the name of the script, uh, which in my case is called markdown to HTML. So that entr command is the one that effectively monitors, in this case, chapter five, and it'll notice if I've changed anything to do with chapter five and then regenerate the, the uh, regenerate chapter five accordingly. Um, should I should I change it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so, oh, cool. 
So the the other things that I other options I have is I've got I've got basically four options. One is draft. In fact, there's five. One is draft. One is just to check references. That's many of my references, of course, web links. So the check references. All it does is goes through and checks all the links are valid and tells me if there's any it gets any 404s or 403s or something. Uh, what's the moved one? Whatever the moved one is, or server error that comes up occasionally. So the check refs is one. Draft is the working one that I mentioned. There's print, which is basically generating the final thing for the uh, publisher. Uh, and then there's web, which uh, which I don't really use, but that I could use to put a version on the website. I haven't used that in a while. But the last one um, is uh, will generate an ebook. So it will generate, I think, looking at it, it generates an, um, an EPUB, I think, although maybe it's actually more flexible than that. I wrote this so long ago, I don't actually quite remember what it does, but it definitely does generate an ebook of some kind. I can see that. Um, I see lots of OPF and NCX files. Um, oh, I should also mention that a lot of the formatting takes place in the CSS file. That's a very important part of the process, in that I say nothing about how it should look beyond the tags, formatting tags. The how it uh, the formatting, like what H1 means and what, you know, the P tag means, all of that stuff is kept strictly in the CSS file. And that actually greatly helps with keeping the draft, the print, the web, the ebook version all quite distinct because that difference all takes place in the CSS file, really. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. So, yeah, that, uh, you have covered areas that I've been tangling with because it's not just the book in my case um it's i actually came up with something similar for making my hpr show notes um for any any show of any complexity that i do um so i actually do two types of show as far as the, the the computation is concerned one of which is fairly simple it's just just like a uh, the notes are in are in the the database on the on the HPR site, which is you know when you post stuff through the form, it gets dropped into the or eventually gets dropped into the um, the, the database, and that's what's served up when you go and look at a, an HPR page. But I also do a thing where I uh, write longer, more complicated notes with images and whatever um, and examples as a <clears throat> as a separate file that gets put up alongside the uh, the, the the audio and stuff on the, the HPR website so I wrote a thing which manages all of that and I use make to uh, to, to build it and I've got a thing that creates a make file depending on what type of thing it is and um, you know whether it's got pictures in it and all that sort of stuff so uh, so yeah yeah I'm I'm I ended up looking at my book requirements with those eyes, thinking, oh, yes, I could make a... In fact, I have written a make file to, to manage it all, you know, so you can do make, PDF, and bang, out comes a, a PDF and, and that type of thing. But, uh, yeah, different different approaches to the, the same sort of idea. Fascinating that we, we've come at, come at it, come at the same similar problem in, in such different ways. Yes, yeah. Now, it's interesting you should mention me because I did look going down that route because, you know, it does, this feels like you're compiling, I mean, you're compiling 
the book, aren't you? I mean, it's like, like mm -hmm. you compile computer code. It does yep. feel very much like that, uh, that I'm compiling the book. Um, now, why did I not go down the make route? I did look at it and then decided against it. I think, I think it was just... Um, I think it was just another layer of complexity I didn't want to tangle with. Uh, I felt that the bash script, I mean, I'm looking at everything I've just described is, takes place in the bash script. And the bash script is only 57 lines long and about a quarter of those lines are comments, you know, just to, so, you know, the majority of it, yeah, it's very simple actually. Um, and it, the bash script really only calls Python, I do refs.py through Python, and it uses, as I mentioned, markdown underscore pi. Mm -hmm. um, so and that's it. You know, I don't think there's anything else other than that. It's all text base, you know, cats and echoes and pipes redirects to a file. That's all there is. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I think that was part of what I was, uh, part of the simplicity that I was going for is that Really, I wanted to use as few tools as as possible, and Python is the only what you might call dependency that I've got here. Yes, yes. I I came at this as I said. Um, I don't want to digress too much, but I came at this originally thinking, oh, wouldn't it be nice if there was a a way in which you could make your HPR show relatively easily? I started writing a Bash script to to hand out to the to the world. That would allow you to do things like uh, um, bring together uh, notes and maybe turn them into HTML through some route or whatever, and uh, uh, would even submit the show for you to HBR with all of your credentials in the days when we used to use FTP for it. But uh, the thing grew and grew and grew. I I'm terrible at coming up with an idea and then, you know, like uh, Wallace and Gromit as uh, attaching a, a few planks on the end and a big nail and stuff and and, uh, and it grows and you know you think, oh that's stable so i'll just put another another uh, chicken hut on the end of that and uh, you know so um yeah that uh, you you've come at it this from a from a much cleaner um, position i think a, a much um simpler and and more maintainable i would imagine goal well, than, than i yeah, I don't know. I mean, you, you were thinking of, you mentioned there, you were thinking of other people using your script, weren't you? That was a consideration what you were doing. It was, yeah, originally. Yeah, but, and, um, I, and I think that's the difference because this, this, is, this is just to scratch my own itch, this whole file. I never, I mean, I'm perfectly happy. This particular um, file, um, the, the script I'm talking about, it isn't, uh, I haven't put that online anywhere for people to hack around with but the other components of this whole thing are the, the bit that does the figures for example and the index they're all um, online we can put the we can put the github uh, link in the in, in the show notes for those uh, but but it's actually the reason the script isn't is that well, you know, I'm still. It's only for my own personal consumption, uh, so I'm slightly embarrassed about bits of it. And of course, there's bits of it that have still have bespoke links to paths that only make sense in my file system. So I'd have <laughs> to, you know, I'd have to do a bit of work before I could share it with the world. Uh, I feel a lot of the people might say, "No, I just publish it." But you know, there's also the thing is, did I accidentally write my password in this window? In <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I oh, have. Oh yes, but, yes. But, <laughs> I go through the same sort of mental processes. Oh, it looks interesting. I haven't got time to. 
check it now. I'll do it later. Yeah, well, you know that thing where you're, you've got a, a command line window and you're, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I use SSH keys, but I still sometimes you have to type in the password. Um, and you type in, like, you know, for example, if you're doing a sudo or something like that, or su to root, um, and you know that thing where you're typing and you don't, you've forgotten which window you're in, and, it, and, and, and your password goes in plain text into yes. another file and you yes. don't notice? Yes. I've done that so many times. Well, maybe two or three times, but you don't notice it at the time. You think, why is my password not working? I'm pressing return. And then later on, you look in the text file and thinking, why is there, why are there like 10 new lines and my password in plain text in the text file? <laughs> Oh yes, oh yes, yes. It's uh, I, I, ha I have paranoia about this. I have to build systems that prevent me being an idiot <laughs> <laughs> yeah. in, in order to avoid. I, just on that subject, actually, um, the I'm using a thing called eChain that came comes from Funtu, which lets you manage through um, SSH agent. You can set, you give it a passphrase. I've, I've got SSH passphrases which I never had before give it a passphrase at the start of the, the day, and then it runs all, all day long, as long as your machine's up, and um, uh, it feeds um, keys to, to whoever needs it and, and that sort of stuff. So that's made life a lot easier for me. I hardly ever type my, my passwords in. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, no, maybe, maybe that's something I should uh, look into. That sounds useful. Anyway, yeah. we, 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 di we digress a little bit, um, yeah, we do. Which, <laughs> which is fine. You know, digression is fine. Um, but uh, the other bit that I uh, I wanted to talk about, unless there was anything else that you wanted to go over first. I'll, I'll talk a bit more about um, my stuff in the, the next the next show, I think, So rather than keep, keep uh, interrupting you. Okay, no problem. Well, the, the next bit that I wanted to talk about um, is how I create the index. Um, and uh, now this is where we this is where we cross paths initially. Mm -hmm. And this was actually, this was born of a conversation. I was uh, sat over with the publisher of, the, of my book over in Edinburgh, uh, and. Uh, I live in Glasgow, so yeah, Edinburgh seems like a long way away, which is where you are, Dave, of course. Um, yeah, so I'd gone over there specially, and we're having this conversation, and uh, and he said, um, you know, my book's full of facts and figures about Scotland, and that's what it's about. Um, and he was saying, oh, um, yes, well, we don't really need an index in this book. And I think... I, my look in my face must have been of utter horror. Like, <laughs> as a former academic and nerd, a book without an index, especially one that's factual, it's not like a novel or something which doesn't need an index. I was like, you know, <laughs> I, wish I, I wish somebody had taken a picture of me because I was horrified at the suggestion. <laughs> and, and in fact, I pretty much said to him, <laughs> I'm horrified. It's probably, you know, I, I, try, I try to moderate, you know, my reactions, but I was really genuinely horrified that he would suggest my book would not have an index. And then he went, on to explain the technical difficulties and I went and then the bit of geek bravado kicked and went oh, I, could, I could generate an index like like that and probably did snap my fingers so um and he went well if if Andrew if you think you can generate an index that quickly uh then then yeah let's do it um so the deal was that we'd get through the proofs I'd make all my corrections the very final version of the book just before it went to the printers they would send me the pdf and my job was to then create an index. Now, I have talked to other authors and they sit and they read through the book, the final copy of the book, and they write down a word and then they write down the page number. I'm not having any of that nonsense. <laughs> I'm far too lazy for that. So uh, I, 
don't blame you. <laughs> yeah. No, so the first thing I checked is I said to him, look, the, the PDF is a text-based PDF. It's not like an image or that's going to the printers, and it wasn't. It was genuinely a text-based PDF, which is important, of course, because you can't parse an image. Well, you'd have to use optical character recognition, of which, of which actually... Um, Ken has just released an episode about using some kind of mm-hmm. character mm-hmm. recognition, hasn't yes, he? Yes, I saw that. Yeah, in the yeah. last couple of days. Um, anyway, I, did, I think I did toy with that once, but it, oh, it's very difficult to get right. No, much better if it's a text-based PDF. So that was the first win, that it was a text-based PDF. Um, not not the figures, but the as in the graphs, but the all the you know, text-based elements were, were in fact text. So... Um, so my first job was, well, how can I turn that into a text file that I can, I can then search? Because I want it as text. I want to get rid of anything that's not text and just keep the words. Because then, and the page numbers, you know, I need to know what the words are and what pages they're on. So I actually did quite a lot of hunting of different tools. And eventually in Slackware, it comes with some PDF tools. Um, I can't remember the package that they're in. But the command that I found on Slackware, pre-installed part of the Slackware install, was PDF to TO text. PDF to mm-hmm. text. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it did everything I wanted. And I had to fettle with the command line switches and read the man page a bit. But essentially what it can do is you can give it a page range and of the PDF file. It will suck in the PDF file and spit out that page as text. And um, and it, so that's the ideal thing, because if I can just produce one page of the PDF at a time of text, I know which page this is on. I've got the words. I can then do a script where I search through for a search term, and then I know that search term. Um, let's say the search term is um, GDP, for example, gross domestic product, GDP. I can then uh, search for GDP uh, in caps, on, I find it in that page, I then have an, uh, an entry for the index. So I essentially just wrote a bash script that working in that principle went, um, it, it reads in a set of a, a, a text file called, I think it's called terms.txt, and these are words that should appear in the index, like GDP or economy or you know population, that kind of thing. Um, and of course, there are times when you might want the word, you might want to find the plural, you might want an acronym. So the way I set it up is that each line of the text file had GDP, uh, maybe then a, I think I used a pipe character, then gross domestic product. And then I think I had pipe, then I had little keywords for plural that it would identify uh, a plural. And it would. the code's actually quite simple, but it can distinguish words that should have a plural where it's ES, S, or IES, this kind of stuff. So um, so I just literally take a text file and I, in this very simple um, syntax, write down every search term that I want. And then this bash script uses PDF to text. Um, and then a bit of uh, some kind of regular expression searching to, f- to, to check whether that, which terms are on each page. And then at the end, of course, you then have to sort the terms into alphabetical order um, uh, and then put the list of page numbers or page ranges. Because, you know, if you've got a hit on for a GDP on page 100, 101, 102, 103, you don't want to list all of these individually. You want mm-hmm. it to be 100 to 103, whatever, 100 dash 
three, you know, is the is the is the, uh, is the style that's used in the book, um, or a conversation separated list of pages. And and actually, uh, there was a few gotchas. I had, there was a few weird characters that upset and invisible characters, but I was able to catch all of them. You know, just a bit, a bit of grepping, uh, search and replace reg X's crafted for the job, and um, it worked extremely well with a very small amount of fettling at the end. There was a few times where it really went to town on certain, like EU was a particular problem. Uh, I, I seem to remember because. Although you wouldn't think it, EU kept appearing inside other words, and <laughs> I can't remember. Yes. I can't remember. There was a problem. I had a problem with EU, and it wasn't Brexit, not the EU as a body. I don't mean that, but I remember it generate for some reason it generated a huge number of hits to EU, more than made sense, um, mm -hmm. and I couldn't quite get to the bottom of why. Uh, so I think it was a very short acronym. That was basically the problem. Um, so I had to go in and do a bit of fettling and then improve the script a little bit. Um, but then I sent uh, within a day. Uh, this this was all turned around within a day. Went back to the the publisher, uh, and they were astounded. They'd never seen an index turned around that fast before. And said, "Oh, could you share us? With the, could you share that script with us, please?" And I'm thinking, really. Don't publishers have a standard tool for this job? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know they're quite a small publisher, these guys, but you know, it was like as if as a, it did feel like I discovered some kind of gold to them. Um, unfortunately, though, I couldn't actually get it working. The script wouldn't work reliably on Windows at the time. I couldn't. There was a few problems. I don't know what they were. Never got it working, and there was also problems with it working on Mac, which surprised me because I thought that would be closer to Unix. Uh -huh. um, uh, and I, you know, and th so those problems uh, I never was quite able to solve. I should go back, but I think the main problem I couldn't solve it in the Mac, which they were using, is that I didn't have a Mac to test it out on. So, uh, yeah, so that would be an interesting project for someone else mm -hmm. with a Mac. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. So uh, you pointed me at the, um, the GitHub uh, repository that contained a tool to do this, which is a Python script. So is is that the sort of later development? Yes, yeah, sorry, it's a Python script. I said Bash script. I was, there mm -hmm. is a sorry, there is a Bash script as well. Uh, that was um, that was an earlier version of it, and then I found mm -hmm. a better way to do it. And as you do, Python, I mean, yeah. doing it in Bash and then going, oh no, I can't, I can't get this to work. I need something with a bit more oomph to it. So uh, yeah, yeah, quite a reasonable thing to do. So yes, I've I've had a look at your. I've actually tried running your um, uh, Python script, and it's uh, yeah, it does a great job. Really good. It's a nice idea, and it, as you said, it's fairly, it's fairly simple in concept. But uh, there's there's a whole bunch of things you need to cater for. But uh, the the principle of taking a page, looking for for particular keywords, and then keeping a record of what you found, uh, and then consolidating it all and printing it out at the end is great. It's perfect. Yeah, no, it seems to, you know, actually, it's one of these things where when you start it, you think, oh, God, I think maybe I got a bit carried away when I said I could do this. <laughs> and when you finally get it working, you think, oh, well, that wasn't so bad. But there was, a, along the way, there was quite a lot of gotchas, and, which don't, you know, like, you don't see them. In the, when I look at the script, it doesn't look that complicated, but... Uh, um, but I have to remind myself. I think a lot of the gotchas I got around by selecting command line um, options to PDF to text. Mm -hmm. um, I can mm -hmm. see there that I've got the EOL end of line option, the Unix option, 
in, in particular are, are the two magic ones that solved a lot of my problems. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, PDF to text is a bit of an odd thing, isn't it? I have used it myself and not fully understood all the all the options. Um, a bit trial and error was was needed. Yes, I think the thing that I, I, uh, I mean, I, I, there was no, there was a lot of trial and error. But the trial and error was I tried different tools, and mm -hmm. PDF to text was just the one that threw up the least number of problems. They all had problems, but uh, quite a few of them were really couldn't handle um, boxes. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how I don't really understand how PDFs work, but some of them really just couldn't handle. Like figures and tables that like broke up the text, and they would just go a bit mental and uh, throw a wobbly at that point, and the rest of the text and the on that page was was garbage, you know. Uh, but PDF to text just seemed to ignore them completely, which I quite liked. You know, it said like, "This isn't text. I'm not interested in this." <laughs> on we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. PDF is a strange, strange beast, isn't it? I think in some forms it's a. Uh... It's effectively postscript embedded in a in a in a sort of container thing, I think, and uh, that's uh, that can be pretty hairy. Yeah, postscript. Now that's something I've not tangled with. And postscript is almost like, it's almost like a language, isn't it? It it's is. More, yes. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's a it's Turing, Turing complete language. Yeah. I mean, I remember being able to in my LaTeX days in the nineties, being able to read postscript and troubleshooting. I mean, not that I could really understand it, but. Uh, but it always looks very arcane and strange. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It it is. It it needs a completely different mindset. But uh, it's it's quite fun in in its way. If you've got nothing better to do. But uh, yeah, yeah. It's um, I th I think it's a it's a great uh, great solution. My problem was that I had looked at doing this with EPUB because EPUB is a whole different issue because. There aren't any pages as such um, mm. in. We're not sort of lockdown pages. Is that right? I got that. I mean, basically, it's an HTML document in a in a container, isn't it? Yes, it's just um, you. There's no concept of pages, as far as I'm aware, uh, by default, and it just reflows the text depending on what size your screen reader wants to display it. Now, now having said that, I've got a feeling that I have read books that somehow have some notion of page numbers inside them. Well, I don't really understand. It, it seems to depend on how the book was, how the EPUB or whatever format was created. So I don't, I wouldn't swear to EPUBs being unable to mark real page numbers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I can see it being a useful thing in a textbook. You might want to refer it to an actual physical page in the print book, but might have only access to the EPUB. So it yeah. would seem to me that that would be a useful feature for EPUBs to support. Um, it's... Um... Having said that, it's probably worth going and unpacking a, you know, a textbook of some sort. I'm sure I have some EPUB textbooks knocking around. That and uh, if you, it's it's a it's a zip, G zip thing, isn't it? You can just explode it and then look at all the bits. Uh, I know this is another John Culpism, by the way. He 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 was the first person I ever heard who explained what was the what was inside an EPUB, and I, I never knew. But uh, so he'd done a lot of hacking of EPUBs over the over the years, I think. Yes, I think you're right. I think the I'm just looking back at my script. I think all this HTML, CSS, OPF, NCX, those are the files that you will find inside an EPUB. Mm -hmm. uh, and if so, 
then there will be no way of tracking, at least in the in the EPUBs I created of my book, there, you're correct, there will be no way of tracking the pages that, uh, in the print version. That would need to be, if, if that is possible, I don't know if it is, that would be need some other clever tool to come along and compare the PDF or whatever was generated for print with the EPUB, mm -hmm. you know, I don't mm -hmm. even know if that's possible. I mean, I could, I could see how to do it, actually, in principle, but I don't know if EPUB in any way supports that. No, no. Uh, I think um, the Pandoc uh, processor for Markdown has got some sort of a, you know, it hasn't, it's got a, a cross-referency type feature to it, I think. Um, and... I'm, I'm a bit vague about this because I haven't dug into this in, in detail. But the, I think the principle is that you put a, an anchor against a word which is something you, you want to index, and then you make um, an index table, effectively, that refers to those instances through their anchors. Does that make sense? No, yeah. it doesn't really. Well, you've got GDP everywhere. Could you anchor it multiple times? How do you I'm get... I don't mm. know. No, I mean, no. it's a, actually, it's a good point you bring up. I did look at, when I was researching how to do this at the beginning, I did look at Pandoc. I mean, Pandoc is fantastic. Uh, you know, it's, it's, is it the one that calls itself the Swiss Army Knife or something or other? Uh, one <laughs> of the, you know, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's brilliant, I mean, though. It's very it, clever. It is brilliant. Uh, is it, what's it written in? Is it... Uh, it's Haskell. Haskell, that's right. Yeah, so yeah. I had two problems with Pandoc. The first one is it's Haskell. There's nothing against Haskell. But just the way the Haskell comes in about a bazillion different packages. Ooh, <laughs> yes, install yeah. pa install Pandoc from 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 scratch, and you wait a long time for all of the all of the Haskell stuff. To yeah, <laughs> and that is one of the very in. rare times that I found the package management on uh, Slackware to be a problem. Mm -hmm. Is that with with a, a package like that, which you have so many dependencies just because of the way it's packaged. But anyway, that, that's one thing. But the other more fundamental thing that I had with that is, you know, you don't want to eat your dinner with a Swiss Army knife. I mean, you could, in principle, with two Swiss Army knives, use an, turn them into knife and fork, and eat, but you'd rather just use a knife and fork. <laughs> so, so, yes, yes. so this is my problem with Pandoc here, is it did a lot of the things I wanted to do, perhaps all of them, um, but I just felt it was cumbersome. I, it, it got away from the simplicity, uh, you know, using a knife and fork. Uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's, that would do me. My project was not complicated enough um, or tricky enough to deserve Pandoc, I don't think. Uh, had I already been acquainted with Pandoc, I might have used it, actually. But I wasn't well enough acquainted with it. And I would have to then install everything from scratch in this occasion because I haven't used it for a while. So Pandoc is great, but I just felt... You know, it was it was too complicated. Um, yes, not a sledgehammer to 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 crack a nut, but using Swiss Army knives to eat your dinner would be the analogy I would use. <laughs> yes, you might leave one of those blades out and cut yourself. <laughs> yes, that's it. Yeah, yeah. The, the the bottle opener might spring open and poke you in the, in the eye or something. <laughs> so you'd be trimming your nails with the scissors by accident and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I take your point. I, I have uh, been playing with Pandoc for a long time now, so I don't feel too uncomfortable using it. But I can, uh, it, it is, uh, and it changes quite often. And you think, oh, that doesn't seem to work anymore. I wonder why. And you go and look at it. So oh, we've improved it. Uh, yeah, okay. The simpler approach is is less less full of surprises. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. Uh, it's just, and it's, it's personal preference. It's just how I wanted to do it, you know. I mean, I, I quite like understanding um, 
what I'm doing and using the, you know, I really just like this Unix philosophy of lots of simple tools that are focused in one particular job. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I find that works best for me generally. I find a, you know, I'm, I'm losing, I'm, I'm losing my hair naturally as I age anyway, but it means I don't have to pull any more out while I'm frustrated. <laughs> no, fair enough. Fair enough. Just, just, just what, a couple of points on the subject of tools. Um, the, I've had two approaches um, made made apparent to me. One is um, Yurun, who's a, a, a um, contributor to HBR, who has written quite a number of books, and he has become very, very much enamoured of ASCII Doc or ASCII Doc Tour, which is a, a, new, a rewrite of the original ASCII Doc, and he reckons that that is uh, is is better than Markdown, etc. I do use it a little bit, but I, w- I couldn't say what my opinion was on, uh, on you know, bookmaking with it. <clears throat> the second one is my son, who did a an Open University Maths course, which where they you got extra points for for submitting your stuff in uh, LaTeX, and uh, he's currently doing an MSc in Computer Science where you do get a few brownie points if you send stuff in there later. So he is really quite knowledgeable about it, and he said it's easy to make an index with later, which it wasn't in the days then I used it, back in the 1980s or something, 80s, late 80s. Um, but uh, apparently it is. And, you know, it doesn't look like it used to back in the day anymore. It, of course, there's lots of... Um, whatever they are, extensions that let, let, let you produce really nice looking documents. So um, they're both quite long learning curves, I think. So just, just, but just for the record, it's, it's, it's worth knowing that these two possibilities maybe exist. Yeah, absolutely. I did look at ASCII doc. I don't think that, yeah, you know, I think I could have happily used that instead of Markdown. Why did I go with Markdown? I just cause I already knew it. And it was, mm-hmm. I mean, there's hardly any formatting that I use for Markdown, a very little, it's mainly just text that I'm using, so it didn't really matter. Uh, I didn't want to use HTML because, uh, you know, that that is cumbersome to write compared to Markdown. Mm-hmm. It is. It I, is. I just, when I'm writing, I just like to write in plain text. When I'm writing the book, the, the, the prose, I don't want writing a plain text and a simple text editor is my preference. Um, as for LaTeX, well, yeah, I used, I mean, I wrote my PhD thesis in LaTeX and lots of papers when I was an academic. If you want to do maths, to this day, I, I really, LaTeX is the way to go. It just, mm-hmm. produ- it yep. just be- produces yep. the most beautiful typeset maths. There's no maths in my current textbook, uh, well, not textbook, in the book that I'm publishing here. If there had been, I would have gone down the LaTeX route like a, like that. Uh, it would have been the obvious choice. But because mm-hmm. I but because I wasn't, uh, I don't know. I just, uh, I, f- I felt, um, yeah, I could have used LaTeX. I could, really could have done Um I, I haven't really even thought about why it didn't, other than uh, there was no maths in it. it. It was the case that that whenever you produce something with LaTeX, it just it looked the same. It looked like you know enormous margins, and the the font used was uh, well. It, I'm talking about my day, which was the early days of LaTeX, perhaps in about yeah eighty seven onwards, um, but. Uh, but but that's uh, some people got a little bit prejudiced against that because you know everything they produced looked looked the same whether it was a a paper or a or a you know shopping list or something. Um, so, but I, I think that any of those f- feelings should be should be reviewed. 
Yes, yes. I mean, you, yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean about LaTeX all having the same look. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, I'm trying to think why that would have been uh, back then. Why you didn't see? I don't, yeah, you're right. I, I, I don't remember ever seeing anyone use anything other than the standard font that it gave you. But I know that is isn't true. It, it looked really nice, but you know everything was the same. You couldn't make a a fancy looking book where you know you had margin notes or you know interesting chapter headings and stuff that you, you, you would. You could do it, but it all was in the same font and looked, looked like, oh, that's a latex document, yeah. obviously. You could, I mean, you could do it because I, I submitted papers to journals, and when they they would at that even at that time, this is in the nineties, they preferred you. LaTeX was such a smooth process for them; it cut down on all their typesetting overhead. They preferred to use it, but the final product did not look like LaTeX. It looked like the house style for that journal. A few mm -hmm. journals mm -hmm. ended up looking like LaTeX, but those ones, those long-standing professional uh, academic journals, no, th even then they were able to put it in two-column format with their custom fonts and heading styles. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think it was it was probably always there. It's just that you needed to to you know open the door to the the tech underneath it, and then. Be be a bit uh, shocked by how complex it is. Yeah, I think that must be the point. Yeah, that's that, that. I mean, back then I would have been very up for doing that, but uh, the only person I ever remember going and getting involved in that was the same person who could pretty much speak post postscript. <laughs> 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 Not that you need yes. a postscript for that. I'm just saying that's the level of intellectual <laughs> but, yeah. geek geekery that he had ascended to, mm -hmm, where you know mm -hmm. he could he could really you know he you know I always joked with him that he could go up to a postscript printer and and, and speak to it and and it would pop a, a perfectly formatted graph or something. <laughs> yes, and how are you? I'm fine, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Very good. Yes. Yeah, so that was. Um, yeah. So I think that's just covered all the stuff that I'd done. So I will look forward mm -hmm. to talking to you next time, Dave, and thinking yeah, about yeah. what we'll, you've we'll, been up um, to for HPR. I'll, I'll I'll give you um. A summary of a similar nature, and we can we can maybe sort of kick around the the ideas and come up with some different views, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That'll be fun. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, uh, well, we'll say goodbye to everybody and uh, see you next time. Right. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.